This is how I win. How'd that get in there? Were you rushing or were you dragging? I drink your milkshake. What am I going to do with a soul anyways? You show me a pay stub for $72,000 on it, I quit my job right now and I work for you. Yeah, Jake, it's Chinatown. Hello. We have a very special edition of Jack of No Trades today. Ben, is n- this might be the first episode he's or second. I think we did one without him back in the day. But Ben fathered a new child this morning. So big shout out to him. Love and thoughts and prayers coming from John Pod Nation. Congratulations, Ben. Indeed. You make it sound like his contribution was this morning. <laughs> yeah. No, his wife had the child. His wife did the work this morning. Yes, she did the work. He was just there on snack duty or whatever dads do in the hospital. But Congrats to our guy, Ben. Yes, we've had reports that mother and son are doing well, so congratulations, Ben. We'll see you on the next episode of Jack of No Trades. But uh, joining us again, he was on our Halloween episode just a couple weeks ago. I'd like to welcome back Jake to the pod. I'm just glad you guys are, are branching out into sports content. I've been pestering you about this episode for months now, and I'm, I'm just, I can't believe we're here doing this. This is great. Well, our true fans know that we've delved into sports in the past, but we took a little break for TV and film, but we thought we'd break tradition, and we are back to talk a little bit of uninformed NBA. Jake, do you want to explain what I mean by uninformed NBA? By uninformed, he means that we literally know nothing more than your average fan who watches their own team we are i mean people get paid to do this stuff and we are not those people we watch how many how many games would you say you watch on in in a given week um i'd probably watch i don't know it depends right i watch more as it gets closer to the playoffs i'd say early nba i'm probably watching two games a week probably like all the way through and then i'm kind of casually kind of following nba what's going on like on Twitter or whatever, but yeah, this, yeah. Is, this is uninformed. I would say the extent of my summer NBA uh, intake is, is maybe a, a podcast a month. It's, it's not much. So if you are coming here for good basketball analysis, um, I regret to inform you that, that we may not be able to provide that, but what we can provide, I think is, is entertainment. Yes. That's that's more what we're here for. We're here to entertain you more than inform you. We're not looking up advanced analytics and you know, this isn't our jobs. This is just something we enjoy and so we thought we'd discuss it. And if you guys hate it, you guys can let us know. But we're just gonna jump right in here. So, Jake, you wanna tell the fans and the listeners about your favorite team and the state of your favorite team and how you're feeling going into the season. Yeah, so I'm a fan of the Utah Jazz, which, uh, you know, sometimes can be a struggle to admit uh, due to various connotations there. But as a Jazz fan, I am used to being good but not great. We've made the playoffs, I believe, I believe I saw a statistic, 35 out of the last 38 years, the Jazz have won at least 40 games. Impressive. Yeah, so a solid, a solid record throughout a, a span of several decades. That being said, this year it looks like the Jazz are going to be horrible. And I'm not used to this heartbreak as a Jazz fan. It's especially poignant this year because for the first time in my life as a Jazz fan, three decades of being a Utah Jazz fan, a year and a half ago, 
I had about a four-day stretch where I genuinely believed we were going to win an NBA championship. <laughs> oh, yes, he did. He's, he's told me about it. I, am a, I like to think I'm a fairly realistic jazz homer, like I am a homer. I'll, I'll write hard for Rudy Gobert when people disparage him. But when it comes to you know my assessment of where the team is at as a whole, I think I'm, I'm fairly realistic as jazz fans go. And it was for the first time ever that you know we had just gotten the one seed. We'd been running through teams at a historic rate. We, we blew past Memphis in the first round. We faced Kawhi Leonard and Paul George in round two, and we won the first two games. I was on top of the world. I thought this was it. I was like, it may not be this season. It might be this season. But this this core, this Gobert Mitchell core is going to win. <laughs> and then I was shit upon. Small ball happened. By the basketball gods, by Terrence Mann. <laughs> and the Clippers with an injured Kawhi Leonard. Yeah, they were beating you without Kawhi. Just ran roughshod through <laughs> through this very good Utah Jazz team. And, and it's been downhill from there. And how have the playoffs gone since that Clippers beatdown? Well, you and I were in the building for Game 6 against Dallas last year in the first round. <laughs> yes, we were. And, uh, and we watched the likes of Maxi Kleber and uh, Jalen Brunson <laughs> look like fucking all-world talent against us. And, and don't uh, Dorian Finney-Smith. Dorian Finney-Smith. Dorian Finney-Smith, I remember, had a three-pointer where he had so long to take his shot that he had enough time to meditate the secrets of the universe, uh, you know, take a 10-minute nap, eat a sandwich, and he was still open. I think the the real frustration about all that was that it's just simply not possible that NBA players were that bad at perimeter defense. For that long. I, I mean, it's... I watched some clips of Donovan Mitchell where I felt like I could have done just as good a job as he did playing defense. <laughs> and he has a six foot ten fucking wingspan. <laughs> so I don't know. I, I'm basically done talking about the Jazz. They're going to be trash this season. We're going to tank, let the tank roll on for Victor Wembenyama. Uh, I think we've got a decent chance to get one of these top two picks. Frankly, there's a small part of me that thinks it would be better if we got Scoot Henderson because I am terrified of a seven foot five lanky guy. Injury concerns. Yeah. Wrapping up your whole franchise in that. It's scary. It's, it's, got, it's got a little bit of a Porzingis stink on it. it a does. little bit. At least it to does. me. I know that he's, you know, this generational talent. But, I mean, even we're looking at Zion. Zion's been injured, like, what, every season so far? Yeah. Has he played a full season yet? No, I think his, his max is, like, 30 games, 40 games. Yeah. So. so you never know. These things... These guys that are supposed to just change the world, you know, sometimes they don't work out. So they explain to me Scoot Henderson. What's the appeal here? You know, he's just a really flashy guard, you know, shades of John Morant, shades of, of, a, of a better shooting Chauncey Billups. He's, he's got the defense. He's got the length. And uh, he, I mean, the, the few games and highlights I've seen where he's, he's in the G League right now, he is, he, he would be the number one draft pick in a lot of different years. And, and this year... Um, obviously there's this generational guy out of France, Victor Wembanyama. Literally, I think they're calling him seven foot five now and you watch him play and it's, you know, it's like you're watching a video game, but Scoot Henderson, very good prospect in his own right. Well, I hope the jazz, you know, are able to get one of the two premier prospects. I mean, they have a 14% chance, right? That's as good as any other shitty team in the NBA. <laughs> that's what I understand. And you know, sometimes you, you, you get a draft pick and he ends up being a franchise guy for you through thick and thin. You've got one of those, Ted. And there's been a lot of thin lately that he's gone through with you guys. Tell me how you're feeling as a Portland Trailblazers fan. All right. So I'm feeling cautiously optimistic about the Blazers. I think 
A lot of people are writing this team off. They're a play-in team. I think people have forgotten the Dame factor and the leadership he provides. They had some good pickups in the offseason. I'm excited about Jeremy Grant. I can't remember the last time we've had an athletic wing that can play defense and also score. It's been a long time. I remember the Al Farouk Aminu days. That's like... <laughs> and Rocco. I, I like Robert Covington, but... I think this team's going to be fun to watch. There's a lot of young guys. It's a lot of speed. I think they're going to put up a lot of points. We'll see how the defense works. That's what I'm most concerned about. But Chauncey, I think, is a defensive-minded coach. I think he's got scheme. He just didn't have the right pieces in place. So, Do you I, miss CJ? <laughs> I kind of – I hope, I love CJ. I just want to get that. If, if CJ McCollum ever heard this, uh, I appreciate everything you did because – it was great. Whenever Dame was cold, I felt like CJ wasn't. Like, it was an awesome backup plan that, like, one of them's going to go off every night. That's then... true. I don't ever remember playing you guys, and, and both Dame and CJ were off on any given night. Yeah, which is just a nice thing to have, right? They were one of the highest-scoring backcourt duos in the league for the seven years they were together. So, I, I kind of miss the offense, of course, but Anthony Simons, I think, replaces a lot of that. And CJ was a below-average defender. And you can't have two guys that are crazy good at scoring and just don't play defense. It just doesn't work. You know, it's just it's – just, it's like a turnstile. You know, it's just like everything gets through. What's, what's the ceiling and the floor for this iteration of the Blazers? So I I think they're at least a 10 seed playing for the a playing game. I think that's the lowest. I think highest, I think like a fifth seed if they really start clicking and there's no injuries. Okay. I think that's going to require an MVP level effort from Dame. But I think he can deliver. He's He's, still got that? He's had a year off. I think he's hungry. I think think he's going to put up some big numbers this year. That's that's Those quads are fresh. Yeah. That abdomen is replaced. I think he's he's rearing to go. All right. And he keeps talking about winning a championship in Portland. It's never going to happen, but I appreciate him saying it. (laughs) I like Dame. I like Portland. I like the energy. There's not enough loyalty in the league. So I'm not optimistic for the Blazers, but you're going to be better than the Jazz. (laughs) And let's be honest. When Dame is in the playoffs, it's typically he has the game of the playoffs typically. I feel like the years that he's... He's in the playoffs. Yeah, I look forward to a to a 2-7 matchup against, uh, I don't know, Memphis or something, and then Dame just delivers a 40-footer at the buzzer to to, to send him back. Yeah, I mean, I just, I Dame sending home the Thunder and Paul George, incredible. Incredible and, moment. I'll and, never forget it. And what's even more incredible is that that's arguably not his best playoff series-ending shot. I, that, that first one he hit against the Rockets incredible is maybe the most aesthetically pleasing basketball play I've ever witnessed in my life it's crazy he has two of them it's insane it's insane and also that double overtime game against the Nuggets a couple of years ago where he was just he scored 55 something like unreal. that unreal it was folk hero Paul Bunyan shit it was there's no stopping him when he gets going like that it's something else yeah but we've talked enough about our teams our team's I don't think either of them are contenders, or we think that they're contenders. Frankly, I, I dare say we've talked about them too much. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my goodness. So, 
So how dialed in to basketball are you during the NFL season when that's going on? When it, when October's crazy, we got baseball playoffs, we got NFLs right in the middle of their season, and then you throw NBA in the mix. How do you prioritize everything? I'm glad you brought up baseball playoffs. Not enough people bring that up. October is my favorite sports month. I think March Madness is my favorite sports event, but there's not much else going on at that time. October, like you said, you've got the baseball playoffs, which is the only time of the baseball season I really watch these days. And then this is where the NFL and college football is really good because, you know, you're starting to figure out who teams are. It's not the chaos of the first couple weeks of the season. So honestly, for this first few weeks of the season, NBA is a distant third for me. I'll I'll watch the Jazz. I'll maybe check out a couple highlights or box scores, but to be honest – I, uh, my focus is on once, once the world series ends, that's, that's when my focus starts to shift and I give the NBA it's due. All right. So you're going to be a little distant from the NBA for a little bit. That's true. But I should mention we, in just a couple hours are actually going to the season opener for the Utah jazz against the Denver nuggets. So we are making time for that. That's right. We're going to see Jokic kill some like serious ass, you know, he's just going to run through that jazz team. It's no, nuggets over or under 25-point <laughs> margin of victory. I might be taking the over. It's I think it's going to be ugly. Bloodbath. I mean, who's the jazz best player right now? Colin Sexton? <laughs> uh, depends on your opinions on the Sexton or Jordan Clarkson. Or, or uh, McDaniels, right? That's their – or is uh, it Vanderbilt or McDaniels? Well, Vanderbilt <laughs> – See, this is where you're catching me talking about players I literally know nothing about since <laughs> The guy from the Timberwolves. Yeah, we've, we've revamped our entire roster. I think we've got a lot of big question marks. But, uh, but yeah, I think Conley and Clarkson and Sexton are really the only three known quantities on the roster at this moment. I guess they still haven't traded Bogdanovich yet either. No, we have. We got uh, he's, he's off to the Pistons. We traded him for f- fucking Kelly Olenek. <laughs> okay. See, this is why it's uninformed talk, right? This is... I'm not following the Jazz super closely, so all those Jazz heads are going to be pissed when they're hearing me talk like this. Yeah, what about you? Are you giving the NBA its due already? Um, I mean, yeah. I mean, it's starting uh, today. I, I mean, it started yesterday, I guess. But, yeah, I think I'll be watching a lot of League Pass the next couple weeks. Um, I love just having a game on in the background. I like that there's just stuff to have on in the background, you know. Don't got to watch super closely if you don't want to. And you get a little... You get a little sample of all the teams in the league, which I like. It's beautiful. The dog days of summer are over. The, yes. The, the long days when all there is to watch is like a regular season. It's gross. Indie, Guardians and White Sox <laughs> game or some shit. <laughs> yeah. And we got World Cup just around the corner. I don't know how into soccer you are, but. Not at all, but I'm happy that you're happy. It's going to be dope. But let's. Uh, this is how we see the rest of this pod going. Uh, we're just going to make a few predictions for you guys. So, let's start with our MVP predictions. Um, I can go first. Let's hear it. So, I think Luka is going to have a pretty killer year this year. I think that he was coming into his own in that playoff run last year. You know, taking down the Jazz, taking down the Suns, kind of in dramatic fashion. Putting up crazy stats. I think this is his breakout year. I think this is the the Luka breakout party. I think this is kind of like... LeBron in 2007 where he's just like, yeah, I'm I'm here bitches. Like he's like I'm the king, you know? Like I think this is I think I saw Luka's already been first team all NBA I think at least twice. And he's only been in the league what 4 years? 4 years, yeah. I still can't believe what Dallas did to Phoenix in that game 7. Yeah. 
there's some whispers that Phoenix was like dealing with COVID or some shit during Game Seven, but that's some pretty gnarly COVID because they got <laughs> ran out of their own building. <laughs> yeah, in a Game Seven. Um, but yeah, I'm I'm pretty high. I have pretty high Lucas stock right now. I think, I think Jokic is going to be incredible again. But I think people are tired of giving the MVP to the same guy over and over. Yeah, you I mean, can't you can't give it to a pudgy Eastern European three times in a row. That's just the voters aren't going to do that. Well, Luca's kind of a pudgy Eastern European. Well, you got to give it give it a to different a different one. pudgy okay. Eastern European. Yeah, because I mean they've given it to Giannis a couple times. They gave it to Jokic a couple times. I think it's for me. It's either Luca or Embiid. I think those are the two. Well, Embiid certainly wanted it last year, <laughs> yeah. and he won't stop talking about it. <laughs> yeah, my uh, so my MVP pick. I I like Luca. My problem with the Luca pick, I think, is just that I don't believe in Dallas enough. And other than the Westbrook year where he averaged the triple-double, we don't really see that many MVPs coming from teams that aren't like a top two or three seed in their conference. Mm-hmm. And I just don't see Dallas getting there. So you don't think they have enough wins? You think that's the problem? Yeah, I think they're going to be like a play. I think Dallas is going to be like a lucky to be a six seed, maybe a seven or eight seed. Really, you think they're going to regress? Yeah, because I mean, they, so they lost Jalen Brunson. What did they pick up? This Christian offseason? Wood. That's true. They got Wood, um, and they got Composo from the Nuggets. Yeah, it could happen. It could happen. I I think the a lot of the other teams in the conference are going to have to kind of fall off or do load management or injuries. But it, it could happen. And and honestly, Luca might just be so transcendent that even if they are a six seed, it's not going to matter. They're just he's going to average thirty two seven and eight, and the voters are just going to have to give it to him. So. <laughs> Yeah, um, Luca's Luca's certainly up there, but for me, my pick is I think Giannis is going to get his third. Really, I I am all in on the Bucks this year. I I love Giannis's energy because he's not like Embiid, you know, bitching to reporters that he's not getting this award or, or whatever. <laughs> he's not being appreciated enough. Just doing his thing. He he's he's almost like Tim Duncan in that way, where it's like he just shows up, he dominates, but it's like he, he's a businessman just doing his business. And I think that secretly. Just deep down, there is some real bitterness about last year and and losing Chris Middleton, because if he wasn't injured, the Bucks win that series against Boston, and I think they beat Golden State handily yeah. in the finals. I think the Bucks are the best team in the league, and I think Giannis is the best player on that team. I think he's gonna average thirty, ten, and six this year, some crazy shit, more than ten, and uh, yeah, I think he's gonna get the MVP. The thing about Giannis that blows my mind is. I feel like he gets smarter and improves every year. He cleans up some aspect of his game. I fucking love it. <laughs> He's awesome. He's so hard work. <laughs> I mean, the 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 fact of Giannis, I think, is is really just summed up when you realize he grew like three inches after he got drafted. That's how devoted to improvement he is. He's even just like, his, body. his body is just like, no, we will get taller. <laughs> I mean, he he becomes a better, more complete player every year, and it's incredible to say about someone who doesn't have much of a jump shot. But I, but I, it's getting better and more passable. And I mean, it, guys like like Ben Simmons, who have you know pretty comparable natural talent to Giannis. You got to say, I mean, this this dude is just a six foot ten athletic freak. But every year he's a forty five percent free throw shooter, and it's like, look, Carl Malone. He started off his career as a 50% free throw shooter, and then by the end of his career, he was shooting 80-something percent. And that only comes through one thing, and that's hard work. And Giannis is willing to put it in, and a lot of guys with similar talent aren't. 
Yeah, I definitely think there's certain aspects of a game you may never develop just because you may not have it, but I don't feel like free throw shooting is one of them. I feel like that's a, I think that's an effort thing. You know, you got to have that Mamba mentality. I'm with you. <laughs> um, cool. So then the next one, and this one, I don't follow college hoops that much, but you wanted to get in rookie of the year. Rookie so, of the year. Yeah, so just looking at it, you know, the best prospects, Chet's out for the season, so yep. he's off the board. So then, I mean, the most, I think, obvious choices are either, you know, Bancaro or Jabari Smith. Me, I'm going with Bancaro on the Magic. I think that he has the opportunity to put up bad or, like, really good stats on a really bad team. And uh, so that's that's kind of my pick. That's basically my defense for it. I was going to go with Bancaro because um, I think that's a great pick. But at the end... I decided to zag. Went with a guy who I believe was drafted sixth, seventh. I don't know. I, I need to double check, but his name's Benedict Matherin, and uh, he he plays for the Pacers. He was drafted out of Arizona. This dude was the Pac-12 Player of the Year, and I watched him play in a couple March Madness games. And Arizona actually had a pretty disappointing finish. They got bounced early by uh, fuck. I want to say Arkansas. I can't remember who who it was. It might have been TCU actually. But anyway, this dude was incredible in in March Madness, and. Uh, I think he's going to have a season kind of like we watched Donovan Mitchell have as a rookie where he's just instantly thrust into this offensive leadership role. He's on this Pacers team that is just going to be absolute dog shit. Yeah. And he's, he's got a pretty good point guard in Tyrese Halliburton who's going to be setting him up. He's got some length. He's, I believe, 6'5 with a long wingspan on the perimeter. He can create his own shot. He's, he's athletic, got these herky-jerky moves that, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I – I could see him averaging 20 a game as a rookie and running away with this award. Do you think Pacers have fun league pass team potential? Yeah. I, I, a lot of it depends what they do with, um, with Miles Turner and Buddy Heald. Because right now, I think that's what's keeping them from being like a full tank team is they've got these two veterans who are actually <laughs> like, you know, NBA players. <laughs> I, I think that they've got a lot of, you know, interesting young players. And I think that I'm very interested to see what they do with those two stars because I think getting close to the deadline, there are going to be a lot of contending teams who want Buddy Heald and who want Miles Turner. Yeah, trade those guys and go full tank and rebuild. I like it. Cool, man. I, I didn't know about Benedict Matherin, so thanks for uh, informing me. And so then the final kind of player prediction we wanted to make is we want to do uh, – our first team All-NBA, we're not going to do all three teams. I'll let you go first. So the way they'll do this is, or the way I thought we would do this is one center, two forwards, two guards. Yeah, so. and I'm not going to fuck around and be like Jason Tatum's a guard or whatever. <laughs> we're, I'm going to do this as, as close to accurate positions as I can. Yeah. My two guards are Luka and Jaw. Okay. My two forwards are Tatum and Giannis, and my center is Jokic. I think that uh, – Jaw is going to continue his statistical improvement. I think it's going to be close between him and Curry, but I think Morant's probably going to end up playing probably 10 or 15 more games than Steph, if we're being <laughs> honest. And, uh, yeah, I think that's, that's going to be close. Luka and Giannis and Jokic are going to be totally uncontroversial picks. And then I'm going with Tatum because I think Boston's going to be a really good team, and I think his, his improvement, I mean, what we saw from him last night, I believe he had like 35 points, 12 rebounds, yeah. seven assists, something like that, and, and just really beat the crap out of Philly. He's a great player. He's a top 10 player in the league. And, uh, yeah, I think he's going to get his due again. Yeah. Looking and kind of preparing for this, I didn't feel like much changed from last season to this season as far as who are the best guys, just as far as, like, who's in their prime, who's going to have a significant drop-off or increase. 
And so my my list is actually pretty similar to yours, except instead of Jaw, I put Curry, and because like. I think that Curry found something uh, with his return last season, and I think he's just going to absolutely kill it this year. And It's a big legacy year for him. The Warriors look scary. So, yeah, but I, I think Jaws is a solid pick, too. And then, like, I feel like first-team All-NBA, it's all about stats, right? It's like, who are the guys who are going to care and want to put up big stats and will put up big stats? And, and I think... Tatum, for sure, will put up big stats. Giannis is going to put up big stats. Jokic, Luka. So, yeah, I think those are pretty... Uh... How did you feel about Devin Booker's inclusion last year on the All-NBA First Team? <laughs> Dude, I'm I'm not a big Devin Booker guy. I, I never have been. I, I mean, this is uninformed basketball talk. I've always thought he was a little overrated. Like, kind of put a step... Like, for one thing, I feel like people act like he's like still like kind of learning how the NBA works and he's been in the league since I believe you know 2016 2017 it's like you're you're a veteran at this point you kind of are who you are and I feel like he just kind of falls apart in big moments you know this this might be bordering on blasphemy is certainly a hot take you know who I think my closest Devin Booker comparison is and I don't mean this in terms of play style. I mean it just dispositionally. What do they like as a person? As Carl Anthony Towns, <laughs> where where it's like, are they friends? I think they are. <laughs> yeah. But Devin Booker is capable of scoring seventy points in a game. How do we know? Because he's fucking done it. Yeah. And yet there are just games where you're watching quarters at a time where he's out there and you just forget about it. Yeah, he, he, there's there's no alpha dog in him. There's no I mean, he talks all the time about, you know, Kobe Bryant working with Kobe Bryant. When the fuck has he ever shown anything <laughs> resembling Kobe Bryant in his own game? I just don't see it. Yeah, there's this there's this thing where it's like, are you someone that I forget about when you're on the floor? Because like the biggest players, you never forget where they are on the floor. You, like you always feel their presence. And, and Booker's definitely a guy where, you disappear, where he disappears for all. I've accused Tatum of this also. Yeah. Where, like, Tatum will stop being aggressive. And you're like, where the fuck is Jason Tatum? <laughs> I will say, though, he's, he did that less last yes, year than he's getting any better. other year. He, so I, yeah. I have hope there. Yeah. Kudos to you, Jason, if you're, if you're listening to this. You're not. But, but yeah, it, I, I don't know. I think it was just due to the high the amount of wins that the Suns had. I think they feel like they had to. They're like, they got to be represented. He had comparable production and – and the Suns won like 65 games. So, yeah. Yeah. I totally agree with you. Uh, it's like, a, I'm not, we're not going to give you MVP, but we'll give you this because you put up pretty good numbers on the best team in the league. So, yeah, exactly. Yeah. All right. So now the, this one's a little more fun. All right. Let's do our top three best and worst teams in each conference. And we're going to do this by, uh, record. So that's how we're determining best and worst. This is this is regular season record. So this is not necessarily who we think has the best chance to win the finals. Correct. Okay. This is just number of wins in the season. So let's start with the East. We'll do our bottom three for the East first. Okay. So my 15 seed in the East, the worst team in the East, I've got the Hornets. I don't know if you saw Gordon Hayward's <laughs> new haircut. Did you see that picture? <laughs> I did. That tells you all you need to know about what a dumpster fire this team is. Um, you got their second best player, Bridges, out on There's some multiple players with uh, felony charges. Serious <laughs> legal issues. Yes. And and the, the players that are there are just not good. LaMelo Ball is is just langu- condemned to languish in AT&T commercials for the, for the foreseeable future because <laughs> there's nothing he's going to be doing on the court that's worth watching with this team. 
My 14 seed in the East are the Pacers. Um, like I said, I just think there's going to be a trade incoming with Heald and Turner, and I think they're going to bottom out. They're going to try. They're, they're a team kind of like the Jazz, kind of like the Blazers, where, you know, they're a small market. They're probably not going to attract free agents. So their hope of, you know, being a contending force in the league is just to draft well, and I think they're going for one of these high draft picks. Now, my, uh, my 13 seed is kind of a hot take here, and I think it would actually be best introduced by a good friend of ours who's a fellow podcaster. So... Uh, here, here's, here's, I'm going to hand the mic over to my 13th seed here. Oh. All right, now let's talk about the Knicks. A lot of buzz this offseason. Donovan Mitchell didn't get him. So what's their consolation prize? Jalen Brunson, $100 million plus over four years. Now I get it, New York, high taxes, whatever. But still, <laughs> it's not what you want. Like, are we really going to do that thing we always do for these New York signings where we pretend this moves the needle for them? <laughs> And I know Knicks fans on Twitter are going to get upset with me. They're going to say, hey, man, he looked like an all-star in his series against Utah. And it's like, yeah, against Utah. This is so mean. Continue. You know who else looked like an all-star against Utah? Terrence Mann. And I don't see a lot of owners lining up to pay Terrence Mann $100 million. What do I know? Okay, found a good rhythm. Made some shots. But then you look at some of Brunson's on-off numbers with Dallas, and you're like, wait, what? This is the guy who's supposed to keep Julius Randle from bitching out again this year? I don't see it. I'm out on the Knicks. <laughs> Knicks at 13. Knicks at 13. That's crazy. Straight from Ryan Russillo's mouth. <laughs> I wish I could have gotten through that without laughing. But uh. yeah, I'm just, I'm out. I, I really think that that franchise is cursed. I don't know what they did to get better from last season. In fact, I think the, the team chemistry issues are just going to be off the charts this year. I think the fans are going to realize very quickly that Jalen Brunson is not worth the contract they just gave him. They're going to be pissed off they didn't get Donovan Mitchell. And yeah, I mean, it's, it's going to be a riot in the Madison Square Garden every night. It's going to be ugly. <laughs> Man, I hope we don't have a lot of Knicks fans because they're mean and they're, they're passionate. So I hope, I hope we don't get too much shit for that. So mine, I didn't put the Knicks in my bottom three, okay. and, I, and I didn't put my bottom three in a particular seating. Okay, because I think if you're dog shit, then you're dog shit. Like you're you're all gonna be winning twenty five games around there. So that's fair. And to to be fair, I do think the Knicks are definitively going to finish above the Pacers and the Hornets. <laughs> I will give them that. So, I will throw Knicks fans a bone. So there's like. There's like four teams in the East that I just think are pretty bad. Okay. But my but my bottom three were the Magic, the Hornets, and the Pacers. I don't think any of those teams are going to do well. I know there's a lot of hope in, in, in Orlando for the young court they have, but I just don't have faith in Orlando basketball. And I think the Pistons are still figuring out their shit. So we actually have the Magic... Pistons game on in the background right now but yeah there's a difference between being fun to watch and winning games and I think the <laughs> yeah. Pistons and the Magic are both gonna fall on the on the latter or the former side of that, that I, yeah I think I think these teams are all pretty bad and I think that 11 through 1 are all significantly better than those four teams so I think that it's a toss-up for you know 11 through four honestly <laughs> like a lot of things in there oh yeah so but uh no shade at the knicks i think the knicks can make a play-in with their mid three you know yeah. i think that was the funniest uh thing i saw over the summer it was the most expensive 
big three that's not really a big three oh I've God. ever seen. It's something else. I mean, I don't really think R.J. Barrett belongs in a in a big three yet, but you it's know. it's Madison Square Garden. I just don't understand <laughs> how they, they don't have high level free agents just lining up out the door to play for this team. I don't know, man. It's just the culture they have there. It's just the players don't have any confidence in them. It's never been good. Yeah, I mean, it, it's kind of wild that Brooklyn landed Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving yeah. over the Knicks. It's crazy. And people don't even, like, watch the Nets there, from what I understand. Like, it's still the Knicks town in New York City, even even with Kevin Durant there. But uh, let's move on to our, our top three in the East. I think we'll be pretty close on these. So my top three are the the Celtics, Sixers, and Bucks. Those are my, I think, are going to be the three best. Okay. We are pretty close on that. Did you say Celtics first? Um, I didn't put them in a specific order. Give me, a, give me a one, two, three. Okay. What do you think? I think, I think if the Bucks stay healthy, they could go one. But I think they've had a lot of injury concerns in the past. So honestly, I could see either the Celtics or the Sixers going first. I think that's kind of a toss-up. But as of now, I I think the Celtics have a pretty good shot of being number one. Okay. Well, I'm with you on the Celtics and the Bucks. My one seed is Milwaukee. And my two seed is Boston. I am shaking things up with this three seed, though. And I have another uh, fellow podcaster, friend of the pod, oh. here to, uh, to, to tell oh, you all okay. about this. Thing. All right, let's hear it. Hey, guys. So I was looking at this Cavs roster, and uh, I'm in. I think they could be sneaky this year. Got a bunch of young, hungry guys. Evan Mobley. I think there's a world where 15 years from now, we look at things and we're like, how did Mobley not go one in this draft? I think he really gives a shit. When he's out there doing things, his footwork, he's like Duncan Light. And then there's the Donovan Mitchell piece. Now, you know I was out on the Gobert trade. I think it was one of the biggest overpays in the league since, I don't know, since Antoine Walker. But this Mitchell pickup, I think he's going to do things for them. I- imagine if you put Jason Tatum on the 78 Celtics. They haven't drafted Bird yet, right? But, but they're laying the groundwork. And if you're asking me to list 12 guys, or, or 11, we can make it an even 11, who can be that guy on a playoff team. Donovan Mitchell's one of them. He just is. My wife, she's been watching this show, Love Island. Well, I'm on Kevin Love Island. I think he's really good. <laughs> anyway, here's my question. Are we sure Cleveland's not the three seed? <laughs> well, let me tell you, I sat down with Donnie. We had a sandwich. He's a great kid. <laughs> I'm in that locker room every day. <laughs> We just and you know, Bill, it's hard to be a woman in those locker rooms. <laughs> it's hard to be a woman in those locker rooms. It's really tough. There's a lot of pressure out there, you know. But he's here. He's hungry. He plays hard. He's got a good work ethic. He's a great player. I think Cleveland has four genuine All-Star caliber players on that roster. I think they're going to win a lot of games this year. They're my pick for the three seed. Hey, I like it. I like this. I just think 76ers kind of have kind of the the structure in place. They kind of got their chemistry figured out. I think that team's just built to win a lot of games. But, yeah, I can see the Cavs going three for sure. Not not to, you know, overdo the the Bill Simmons-isms here, but don't you think there's a world where Philly starts off the season eight and eight and then people start looking sideways at Doc Rivers? People start, you know, talking about is is James Harden really that guy anymore? They start making a coaching change. I mean, (laughs) things could get fucked up fast for Philly. The expectations have to be sky high. It's championship robust. It's it's true. I mean, mean, the way I see it, like, 
I remember one year the Magic started out like ten and two, and people were like, "Oh my goodness, the Magic are for real!" And then they went on like a bazillion game losing streak and ended up winning like twenty two games or whatever it was. Yeah, I remember that. Like, I, I think people overreact to the early season too much, and then teams figure it out. I, I think that the Sixers are pretty damn good. I think. Sports are just going really well for Philly right now, just across they the are. board. The Eagles, their juju's rubbing off. Yeah. So. And the Phillies up 1-0 now. In yeah. CS. Could win a World Series. They yeah. could win a Super Bowl. You know, we'll see. But, yeah, I think all four. I think those are pretty much chalk the best four teams in the East mm-hmm. right now, I'd yeah. say. I thought Miami was a little fluky last year. Yeah, there's an argument for Miami. There's an argument for Toronto, but I think it's those four teams in in whatever order. I mean, you, in, like. you throw Brooklyn in there somewhere. I, I, mean, I don't know. I mean, with KD, yeah. with KD, like you never know. That's true. I'm, He's really that good of a player. I'm willing to call Brooklyn title contenders. Yeah, if you have KD, you have a shot. I mean, and if Kyrie can, you know, keep his guru shit to like a minimum, I think they have a shot too. Big F. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So let's move to the top in the West. Mm -hmm. Who do you got? So I got – so I always pick one team. I don't think this is necessarily the best team in the the West, but there's always one team that just wins a shit ton of games, and then they're just kind of soft and they don't go deep in the playoffs. I got the Nuggets for my one seed. I think that I think this has win a shit ton of games, get blown out in the first or second round potential pretty hard. That's exactly what I had for my one seed too. <laughs> I actually see this Nuggets team as being really similar to the Jazz from a couple of years ago, where their margin, of, their average margin of victory was like eleven oh, and points and a game. Just, just, just yes. circle jerking the statistics and the analytics. This is the best offense in basketball. I I can totally see that. Just blowing teams out in the regular <laughs> season, and yeah. then when teams have time to prepare in a playoff series. They're, they don't have the, the physicality or, or whatever it is, maybe lineup versatility to, to match up. Because, yeah, I don't have the Nuggets as my as my finals pick or anything like that, but I think they're going to be the one seed too. Yeah, and then I have – I think the Warriors are going to be pretty damn good. That's my number two. They're and then right. I think this Timberwolves team is going to win a lot of games. That's my three. Dude, we literally had the exact same top Dude, three. Yeah, like we didn't pre- we didn't discuss beforehand either. So that's just my vibe. I mean, they picked up – they got the Twin Towers and Gobert in Towns. I think Anthony Edwards took up – he went up a level in that playoffs, and I think that team's pretty solid. They got a lot of good young players. Yep. I think they're going to win a lot of games. Yeah. I've got Golden State for my two-seed as well. It'll be interesting to see what happens with this this Draymond Green situation, any locker room chemistry issues. But, but yeah, I think they're a pretty solid lock as the two-seed. And then Minnesota – like you said, it's two things. It's it's the Anthony Edwards. He's going to go up a level in the same way that Jaw did last year, I think. And and Rudy Gobert, you know, with the with the exception of of a guy like like Giannis, there are very few players in the league that I think raise your floor as much as Gobert does in the regular season. That dude accounts for just a huge number of regular season wins by himself. Yeah. Well, I mean, you're probably going to be a top 10 defense just with him on your team. And and they've been a bottom defense <laughs> up until this point. And they, they got the seven seed last year with that bottom 10 defense, and they gave Memphis a hell of a run in that first round. So this is a good team with a lot of young talent. I don't think Carl Anthony Towns is going to be anything resembling a leader. But I don't now, think he needs to be. He doesn't need to be with, with Davis taking this and with Gobert fully you know, inhabiting the paint. 
I can actually see Towns taking on more of a Kevin Love type role where he just kind of roams the perimeter. He's the best shooting percentage-wise big man in NBA history. That's where he can thrive. Let go bear clean up down low. He's actually my pick to win another defensive player of the year award because I think it, he, his impact is going to be apparent on this new team. They're yeah. going to they're going to realize like, "Oh my god, he just took another team from just this this god awful defense to a top 5 top 10 defense in the league and he's the only thing that changed." So I'm high on the Timberwolves in the regular season, postseason TBD. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we will, we will see. And so then, in our bottom, sorry to say this, I think, I think the the like the fight for the fifteenth seed is it's either the Jazz or the Thunder. I think it's it's going to be a a fight to the death for who can win less games between those two. I think they're both intentionally losing games. And then uh, a level above that, I got the Rockets and the Spurs. That's okay. kind of my bottom three, bottom four. Yeah, so I, I mostly agreed with that. Those are my bottom four. I thought the Spurs – I who is even on that roster? I couldn't tell you. I they, think they traded DeJounte Murray, so – I think San Antonio has the worst roster in the league by a long shot, and I think when Utah inevitably gets rid of Clarkson um, – they're they're going to contend for that. So I think those are the two bottom seeds. I have San Antonio as my 15, Utah as my 14. 13, it's impossible for me to decide between OKC and Houston. I think both teams just have a lot of really good young players who are going to be hungry to at least prove themselves. Yeah. And what what we've seen from the Thunder is just constant overachieving. Um, they They don't have a great roster, but they just play so damn hard. That they're pesky every night, and they they drag themselves to a way higher win total than they should. So I guess for that reason, I'm gonna I'm gonna pick Houston as the 13 seed. Yeah, I mean it's all shit. So I mean it's like it's like we don't really need to waste too much what's, time. What's the flavor? What's the consistency of this shit? <laughs> yeah, exactly. We don't need to get into the the degrees of shit here. So yeah, that's that's kind of our prediction. And then I guess we'll do final. Our final season prediction, who do you have in the finals? Okay, so... As of right now. So my my representative from the Eastern Conference is Milwaukee, the one seed. I think they're the best team in the league. My representative from the West, though, is actually not any of the top three seeds. I think we're going to have a Bucks versus Los Angeles Clippers. Really? Championship. I think, I mean, think about this, dude. It was, what, three and a half years ago that the Clippers got Paul George and Kawhi. Kawhi. Yeah. I mean, that's... That's so long ago. And what have they done with it? Nothing. Nothing at all. Get bounced in the second round a few times? I think they made their first conference finals, but then even that didn't go well. They just haven't been able to stay on the court healthy together long enough to see if this experiment's a success or failure. I think this is the year they do it. I think they end up in the finals. But I think, you know, at the end of the day, Giannis is going to be too much. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say Bucks over Clippers in six. Okay. All right, I'm a uh, I'm getting a little controversial controversial here, I guess. But I'm going I'm going Sixers Warriors for my for my matchup here. I think that Harden. We can talk about this later with legacy. I think Harden's got a legacy that he's trying to protect. I think he's going to be hungry this year. I think Embiid's hella hungry. I think they feel like they sh- should have been in the finals at least a couple times at this point and just yeah. had just horrible breaks so i think that they're good they have a good shot and then the warriors i just think if that if that core just stays healthy i just feel like they're just really hard to beat yeah curry's just unreal in the playoffs 
So who who wins that finals? I think it's Warriors, honestly. Warriors but I think the Sixers make a run for it. But but yeah, I don't bet against the healthy Warriors, honestly. I want to quibble with one word you said there. You said James Harden has a legacy to protect. I'd say <laughs> he create. has a, a legacy to create. <laughs> because right now, James Harden's legacy is simply not showing up when it matters. And statistically, I, I honestly, my closest comparison with James Harden is he's like the modern-day equivalent of George Gervin. <laughs> where, you know, no fans today really know who George Gervin is. Well, he but put up you, a shit ton of yeah, points. Yeah, you look up his stats and you're like, this dude led the league in scoring for like five straight years. Yeah. He's just dropping 30 points a game, languishing down in San Antonio, not doing anything of consequence, but putting up the stats. And, and frankly, that's, that's what I see James Harden as until he proves otherwise. Yeah, so speaking of kind of legacy, because you posed the question or outline of whose legacy is at stake. So I think Harden has a lot to prove this year. And then also... I think Chris Paul has a lot to prove this year because he's had a lot of just hard kind of painful playoff bounces over the past several years. You know, it's always getting hurt in the, uh, the final round or final game before he gets bounced. But, you know, I've heard there's a lot of drama with this Phoenix Suns team yeah. that the vibes are not good. Not like, at all. There's not a lot of chemistry. So it's like, all right, Chris, let's see what you can do. Can you lead this team and get them back on track? I mean, because Phoenix should still be pretty good. They're the same team as last year. Yeah, they're basically the same team as last year. They should be a contender this year. So let's see if Chris can carry that team and be the leader that they need. I don't know if you've heard this, but I believe it's true that Monty Williams and DeAndre Ayton have literally not spoken a word to each other since Game 7. <sighs> That's like not talking to like your boss for like six months. It's not what you want. <laughs> and not uh, a good sign. And yeah, to your point on Chris Paul, what, what Chris Paul really does is he's, he makes me appreciate the accomplishments of Isaiah Thomas. And, and I mean, the, the guy who won two championships with the Pistons. Not the Boston guy. Yeah, because, <laughs> because what Chris Paul proves is that you can be one of the smartest and best fundamental players the league has ever seen. And if you're too small, when it comes to these long playoff series, you just simply can't get the job done. You don't stay healthy enough, and you're, you're not able to have that kind of outsized impact. And, you know, for, for Thomas to be a six-foot point guard who leads the Pistons to two championships in the era of Bird, in the era of Magic, in the era of Michael fucking Jordan. And Lambeer. I mean, <laughs> that's just incredible. Yeah. And, uh, and yeah, Chris, Chris Paul, he's – He's one of the greatest point guards in NBA history, but ultimately I think he's sort of similar to James Harden in that his legacy will primarily be defined by what he wasn't able to do. I saw him play – I was a few rows up from courtside last season. I'm not rich, so this is, this is pretty rare for me. But seeing Chris Paul in person, he did some incredible shit. With like next level just – floor general sees everything making passes i'm like how the hell did you see that it's it's insane he knows exactly where everyone's going to be what they're going to do he's an incredible point guard i'm i'm not disputing that if chris paul's listening to this i think you're a great player and he's he's really starting to reach kind of lebron levels in terms of longevity like it's, yeah. it's really i mean he was drafted in that darren williams draft where it was like you know who who's who's going to be the first point guard taken williams went three paul went four and there was a time where there was like a debate who's the best point guard in the league and that lasted like three years darren williams has been out of the league certainly out of relevance for almost a decade now yeah and Chris Paul is still performing. He's, he's being the floor general of a one seed, performing at an all-star level, 
and he's what the second, third, fourth oldest player in the league. It's unbelievable. Yeah. So, so I hope I hope things go well for him. But you know, I, I'm not picking the Suns to make a finals run. <laughs> Personally, well, and speaking of legacies on the line and teams that I'm not expecting to make a finals run, my my clear number one for legacy on the line this season is Kevin Durant. I think that Golden State winning the finals last year was nothing short of calamitous for really? Kevin Durant's. You reputation. think that takes away from what he did? Absolutely, because what Kevin Durant did, he has two championships now, and the team he joined to get those championships literally won a ring right before he got there and right after he left. It's the exact same roster, <laughs> just no Kevin Durant. They could do it before, they could do it after. So who's to say they couldn't have done it during? Who's to say that Kevin Durant was even necessary? I mean, the fact they brought in Andrew Wiggins and had the same results. <laughs> I, it really says all that needs to be said, and that's to take nothing away from Wiggins. He played great. He's, he's playing great, but maybe that's just the Warriors' culture, you know? Like, you thrive on that team. Here's the thing I'll never get over. Kevin Durant blew a 3-1 lead to the Warriors in the conference finals and then joined them. That, you just simply can't do that if you want to be taken seriously as an all-time great. And, you know, from a pure talent perspective, especially offensively, Durant is clearly a top 10 player of all time. Yeah. Just pure talent. But he's never going to be an actual top 10 player in people's minds unless he wins a championship by himself. And he's not going to do it with this Nets team. They are going to be <laughs> an utter disaster this year. I know the statistics people all say that basically Durant outplayed LeBron in those two Warriors championships that he's got. That's always the argument, right? That he was the best player on the floor. But I feel like if you have great teammates on the floor with you, I feel like that makes it easier for you to kind of thrive and, and have better individual performance. I, I think the most defining moment or one of the most defining moments of LeBron James's career was that game is probably the best game he ever played. And it was a loss that game. That one of game the finals one? where J.R. Smith <laughs> had no idea what was going on on the floor. <laughs> and, and that was just, you'll never see a clearer example of the greatest player in the world doing everything they can possibly do, and their teammates just simply weren't enough to get it done. Kevin Durant never had to deal with that when he won his two championships. And in fact, you could make an argument that those Warriors teams were the greatest NBA team ever assembled. And so it's just, it's hard to give him too much credit. It's almost as if they don't count as real rings from the Kevin Durant perspective, especially given the fact that they just won last year. And I mean, when Steph Curry is your point guard, you know, I don't think LeBron's ever played with a player as good as Steph Curry. Oh, not close. <laughs> not even close. I mean, LeBron's best teammate is Dwayne Wade, and, and they're just really not even in the same stratosphere. Yeah. And again, nothing against Wade, but Steph Curry is legitimately probably a top 10 player of all time now. Top 12, certainly. Yeah. And I mean, yeah. I'm I'm with you. I mean, I've always felt like... That Thunder team with Russ, and uh, we can talk about him a little bit later, but that team was on par with that 2016 Warriors team. And rather than running it back and, you know, overcoming that, I mean, it's kind of like how Michael Jordan had to overcome the Pistons to get his first championship, right? He didn't go, fuck it, I'm going to go join the Pistons. He's like, <laughs> I'll beat these guys, and then I'm going to own the East in the league for the next decade. So... Yeah, it's it, – I I totally agree. So let's see how the Nets do. I'm not too uh, 
I'm not too optimistic for them. But, all right. So let's just move on a few rapid-fire things here. So the latest kind of drama in the league was this Draymond Green-Jordan Poole fight. Do you want to give a quick synopsis of what happened? So as far as I understand, and I haven't followed this as closely as some people I know, but Jordan Poole um, it has a big personality in that Warriors locker room. And it's rubbed Draymond Green the wrong way. And I think a big part of the reason for that is that a lot of these players are up for contract extensions. Draymond is up for his contract extension. But also a lot of these younger guys, Jordan Poole probably chief among them, are about to get paid. And the Warriors only have so much money to give out. And so people have been saying, you know, does Draymond need to take a pay cut? Is Draymond really worth re-signing now that his, his game started to decline? I think he's harbored some resentment towards Jordan Poole because of that. Anyway, a few weeks ago, this story comes out that oh, you know, there was a physical altercation between Draymond and Jordan Poole at a practice, and the team is considering, uh, you know, discipline, internal discipline for Draymond. Then a couple days later, TMZ somehow gets their hand on the surveillance footage of what actually happens here. And I really can't describe it as anything other than just a brutal assault. (laughs) Like, Draymond Green just straight up punches Jordan Poole in the face as hard as he can. Poole's hands aren't up. Poole's not expecting it at all. It's not technically a sucker punch because his back wasn't turned. He he also pushed him before. Well, yeah, so so Draymond gets up in his face and and Poole does what I think we see NBA players on the court do all the time, which is just kind of like a a shove. Hey, get out of my face. Get out of my face. And, and Draymond retaliates with, with something that would have been more at home in the octagon <laughs> than a basketball court. And I just – I don't know how you recover from that because, you know, we – Like t- as a teammate. We view these guys as basketball players, but it's hard to think of them. They're, they're colleagues. Yeah. They're coworkers. And for something like that to happen in a workplace and for the workplace to get back to normal – it would just be unheard of in any other industry. And I think it's going to be a real uphill climb for the Warriors to come back from this and keep Draymond on the roster long-term. Yeah. I mean, those guys both have massive egos. I mean, this Draymond's had tons of altercations since being in the league. It's kind of what he's known for. But yeah, it's there's there's been some good content just around the whole, the whole thing. Um, but yeah, it's... I can't imagine punching someone I work with and someone that I probably should be considering a friend and kind of an ally and like like a brother almost like in the trenches with just socking him in the face like that. I I can't imagine it. And you know it's bad when you see the fans reaction on social media because I mean there are 29 fan bases where everyone just fucking hates Draymond Green. <laughs> I can't stand him. Yeah. He's he's one of the few players in the league that like I don't just sports hate. I actually kind of hate him. I think he's just a mean dude. I think he's a bully. Um, and it has absolutely nothing to do with him making fun of Rudy Gobert crying about his mom. Anyway, we can we can talk about that some other time. But Draymond Green has had a 100% approval rating with Warriors fans. Even though he's put them through some shit, you could argue that he cost them a championship getting suspended in that finals. Yep. But looking at what Warriors fans are saying about Draymond now in the aftermath of this video, there are a lot of them who are like, you know, this is a bridge too far. There are a lot of them who are like, Look, we've put up with this shit for years, but his game, his on-court product is simply not worth this <laughs> off-court drama that we're getting with him. And they, I think a lot of them want him gone. Yeah, we'll, we'll see. I mean, he, if he actually did call him triple single, that's, that's pretty hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there were a lot of good uh, 
there's good content about what Jordan Poole might have Yeah, about what he might have said, you know, that he told Draymond that after he gets his extension, he's not going to allow him in the Jordan Pool. Yeah, he's going to buy it. He's going to buy a nice pool at his house, call it the Jordan Pool, and Draymond's not allowed in the Jordan Pool. <laughs> yeah. I don't think that's real, but I hope it is. I hope it is. fucking funny. Yes. All right. So just real quick, do you see any big trades? Do you see any blockbuster trades this year? Yeah, I mean, we already touched on the Draymond thing. I think the two stars that really have a chance of getting traded, and I don't view Russ as a star, but I I do think the Lakers are going to be actively looking to shop him near the deadline. I'm looking at Dame Lillard, and I'm looking at Bradley Beal. I think these are two guys no on way, teams. Dude. They both that, just signed massive extensions. I know they both just signed massive, massive extensions. But if we're being honest, the teams are not going anywhere beyond the first round of the playoffs. And some might say they'd be lucky to get there. And so it just depends on, you know, I, I, I see the Blazers being more attached to Dame than the Wizards being attached to Beal. Because, you know, it, Dame has just, first of all, simply been better. But then beyond that, I think that... Being a fan of a small small market team, it's it's not just about winning a ring. It's about you know being in love with this on court product. And Blazers fans are in love with the on court product that Dame has been producing. They want him to be the best Blazer in history. We do love the Dame product. And we so love it. yeah, I I think that it would be unlikely to see Dame get traded. I don't think he would ever request a trade. But I do think you know at some point midseason management might go to him and say, "Hey, look, it's in our franchise's best interest to tank for one of these two guys. We're just not good enough to cut it, and uh, we'll try and do right by you. We'll send you where you want. We'll send you to a contender. I'd love to see Dame on a contender. Can you imagine Dame on fucking Philly? No, I don't want to. <laughs> Dame's my guy. The on-court product would be good, though. You have to. Admit. I mean, yeah, he's he's awesome, and and Dame's got that dog in him, which I like. He does. Bradley Beal does not have that dog in him, but I think he'd, he'd be a great number three for a, you know, if if the Lakers could somehow put together a package that, that gets Bradley Beal there, I'd, you know, yeah, I'd like I mean, to see that. I feel like Dame's got one of the highest approval ratings in the league, just among fans, among players. I feel like everyone loves him. He plays the game the right way. But yeah, I could totally see Beal getting traded, I, for sure. You have any other names that you're looking at? Uh, I mean, Westbrook is up there. I don't see any other massive trades. He's not massive. What do you think about D'Angelo Russell getting traded from Minnesota? I think point? they'd want to, but I don't yeah. think anybody wants him. Yeah. I think they tried already. That's true. So, I mean, I think some of your jazz guys are going to get traded, but those aren't blockbuster. No, not blockbuster. But, you know, you got to think a, a contending team is going to love to have Jordan Clarkson or Colin Sexton coming off the bench. Yeah. So, we'll see what happens. All right. And then... Our last season question. So who do you think's going to get – whose rep is going to get dragged the most this year? Who's going to get shit on? Who's who's going to be kind of the laughing stock? For me, I think Westbrook is candidate number one. I think he's got the connection with Russell Wilson. The, the, the two Russes absolutely falling the, off a cliff right now. Where guys that used to be really good or guys we viewed as really good have just kind of fallen off a cliff. And they just aren't the same players anymore, but still make a bajillion dollars. I think it's just really fun to shit on them. I think people love it. I think the Westbrook thing's fun. I mean, I've seen a bazillion Broncos country memes just totally making fun of Russell Wilson. I think he's candidate number one. And then I think Ben Simmons is number two. Who who do you got? Well, both of those Russell contracts are just an abomination. (laughs) I mean, the Broncos have five years with Russell Wilson and – 
there's no getting out of it. There, I don't even think they're stuck. Like a tra- oh, it, they're so fucked. Um, <laughs> and then Westbrook, I, I don't quote me on this. I think he's the second highest paid player in the league. He makes like forty seven million dollars a year. Oh my god, LeBron must hate that dude so much. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I mean, in some people are like, well, Russell Westbrook still puts up stats, but they're like hollow stats. It's they're meaningless. It's it's like garbage time. It's like Blake Bortles throwing five touchdowns in a game. You probably don't even remember who that is, some of you. But. Hey, tell me if you've had a similar experience. Watching Russ these last couple of years continue to put up stats really has has dampened my excitement about his MVP season in those years in 2015, 16, 17, where he was just like – you kind of thought of him as a god almost on the court. Dude, that, that team that he won – MVP for won 41 games yeah. and did absolutely nothing. That team was bad. It's it's almost disgraceful that the league gave him an MVP, rewarded that type of play. Certainly a lot of people uh, regret that vote, I've heard. Yeah, it's it's just statistics are nice, but they're not the whole story. You know, there's winning players and then there's players that aren't winning players. And I don't think Westbrook was a winning player that, that season with the Thunder, so I don't think he's ever been a, a winning <laughs> player. You know, the the Thunder did make it to a finals in 2012, and they, you know, didn't look great. Um, I, what is Russ's ultimate legacy here? And do these last couple of years, where you know he's started to reach an athletic decline, do they tarnish that ultimate legacy? I thought he was a really fun number two for Durant back in the day. He's hella exciting, high-flying dunks, plays hard, tons of energy, very aggressive. But as he's gotten older and as he's kind of wanted to take a bigger role and kind of be the guy, it's just pretty rough. I think he's a sidekick who thinks he's a superhero. In in reality, he's a sidekick. Russ is the definition of of a guy who has too much dog in him. (laughs) Where it's just like, holy shit, man. Tone it down just a little bit. Like just see see the floor, see the floor before read you read the room. Yeah, it's I don't know. I I think Russ's reputation is already tanked to the point where my my short answer for this question is Ben Simmons. My longer answer is the Nets more generally. I think this trio of Ben Simmons, Kyrie Irving, and Kevin Durant. Is, I mean, the most motley crew of uh, what a mismatch bunch of characters, and so much talent, but. I don't think they're going to be a top four seed in the East, and I don't think they're going to make it past the second round of the playoffs. And I think there's going to be weird shit coming from the Kyrie Irving camp basically <laughs> once a week. There's just going to be some like, wait, he said what about the Jews? He's, you know what I mean? And, and then with Ben Simmons, what we've seen in the preseason, I mean, he played a preseason game in Philly, steps to the free throw, or no, it was in Brooklyn, his first two free throws, a few Philly fans in the arena start to boo, and he fucking bricks both free throws. <laughs> and that's how he started with no pressure in the preseason. Ben Simmons is in his own head more than any player we have ever seen in this league. This is going to be an absolute nightmare season for Brooklyn, and I think all three of these players are going to take a huge hit on their legacy. <laughs> Yeah, I think that that playoff series against the Hawks, I think it broke Ben Simmons. I don't think he'll ever recover from it. We've never seen someone melt down like that in real time. Ever. I've never seen someone that, like, 
you know, people talk shit on pro athletes all the time, right? Just normal guys. It's, you know, their their lives might be a little miserable, so they enjoy, you know, shitting on some famous athlete making a bazillion dollars because they can, you know, and that's that's part of the price of being this super successful athlete. But I've never met an athlete who I know is listening to that feedback more than Ben Simmons. Like, if I put something on Twitter about Ben Simmons, I'm feeling 80% confident he's going to see it. <laughs> Do you I, feel the same way? I've just never he, – he really – totally encapsulates this new social media generation of NBA players in all the worst way, where I feel like he's way too online. He's way too image obsessed. He had his agent put out this, this statement a couple of years ago where it's like, or I don't even think it was his agent, but someone was like, Ben Simmons wants to be seen as quote, a young socialite. <laughs> and he's like, he's dating fucking Kardashians. And he's like I said, he, he's just mentally weak in all the ways that Gen Z is mentally weak. He's like the quintessential Gen Z basketball player. I feel like Ben Simmons, the fact that he's made two all-NBA teams is just beyond me. Do you think that the Twitter era has been a pro or a con for fan interaction with pro athletes? Do you think it's good? Or do you think that it's generally bad? Like, that's made it worse. It's, It's hard to say... I do love that it gave us that Colangelo story a few years ago with the burner account where he's like <laughs> shitting on the GM's like shitting on his players from burner accounts. And then the, the, it was Bill Simmons website, the ringer that actually uncovered that. Do you remember that? I think so. And then Kevin Durant's Twitter account, he'll, he'll often just go after some rando fan with like 12 followers <laughs> and just absolutely savage them online, which is on the one hand, it's like, what the fuck are you doing? <laughs> but on the other hand, it's, it's genuinely funny. I don't know. I think it's good for the entertainment product. I don't know that it's good for the league as a whole, if that makes sense. Yeah, I think some fans kind of forget where the line is. And I think we've seen countless instances where they go over the line. So, yeah, I, I think it's probably bad. But, I mean, there's nothing we can do about it. So we just got to laugh about what we see for the time being. I don't know if you heard this, but there were some fans who were calling Russell Westbrook Westbrick. And uh, and he took that really personally and was like, "You're attacking my family's name." It's like, dude, it's just like a, it's just a play on words. It's, he, it's so, all good. Yeah. So I think it's a combination of people thinking they can say whatever they want online, but also players being like sometimes way too sensitive yeah. about just normal sports trash talk. It's like you're a professional athlete. You should be used to this. Exactly. Like I think if, if anything below the line of like actual personal hate speech or. Anything that we would consider hate speech, I think is fine. I think if you want to shit on an NBA player, like if you want to go online and say Ben Simmons is trash, I think you should be able to. I think that's fair. I have been thinking, though, about what an insane experience it would be to be a professional athlete. And just like I'm kind of in amazement that that these guys aren't charging into the stands and, and go and run our test on people <laughs> like every night. Yeah. Because they're just kind of at the bottom of this. They're, they're playing on this floor and surrounding them are just like rich white people screaming in their faces. Yeah. I would fucking hate that. <laughs> yeah. But then you just see how much money you're making to be on that floor and you're <laughs> yeah. like, okay. Yeah. I'll I'll tolerate this. I mean, that's the that's the that's the price you pay, right? Like I make 40 million dollars a year to play this game. I guess I have to deal with a little bit of you know. Yeah, whatever these people scream at me, they got to wake up and do a real job tomorrow. I I play an awesome game and it's fun <laughs> as fuck. Yeah. It's a game that people play for free yeah. all the time because it's super fun. So 
I think that about wraps up our episode. So just real quick before we go, what's your favorite basketball movie of all time? I mean, this is mainly a movie in, in TV pod. So Yeah, so I would say that it's hard to depict good basketball yeah, in a movie. I agree. On, like Football is good because you can, you can be a lot more creative with camera angles. You just have two people slamming into each other hard, a bunch of dust clouds. You, know? like you can make football look good. Yeah. You can't do that very well with basketball. And so I think a lot of the classic basketball movies I actually don't really enjoy for that reason. Chief among them being Hoosiers. <laughs> oh, really? You I don't? Think hot Hoosiers, take. Yeah, I, I think Hoosiers is one of the most overrated movies of all time. <laughs> I think it appeals to a certain generation of man who thinks that verbal abuse is synonymous with good coaching. Uh, are we sure he's a good coach? I don't. Do you think he created a generation of shitty youth basketball coaches yes i do people are trying to be fucking gene hackman <laughs> i agree with you and i'm normally not one to like rag on this but the age gap between gene hackman and barbara hershey in this movie is like 20 years and it seems like it's double that but dude that was it's just so normal weird. in old movies man i know i've been watching some hitchcock chick and james stewart's like 50 and his girlfriend's like 28 or whatever yeah it's, it's crazy it's a boring movie and it's not my favorite it, my dad loves hoosiers and uh I think a lot of people would say Hoosiers is the best basketball movie of all time. Not me. My pick, I'm going with The Way Back. It came out two yes, years ago. Yes, I've seen this movie. Starring Ben Affleck in what I think is unquestionably his best performance of his career. I'm very sad he didn't get an Oscar nomination for this. It's, it's, it's a basketball movie, but more than that, it's a movie about a guy's you know kind of inability to cope with the fact that the glory days are behind him. Struggling with substance abuse, and he goes. He he was a basketball star in high school and college, or not college. I think he goes back to coach his old high school team. Yep, fighting his own personal demons. It's a fantastic movie, fantastic Affleck performance, and uh, and the basketball in it's pretty good too. They make it look realistic, make it look gritty. I didn't really have any major complaints with that movie. I think it's very solid. I think that one came out right as COVID happened. Yes. So I think a lot of people slept on it. Go check that one out. It's it's a basketball movie that I don't feel like it's really about the basketball. Yep. So like if you're not a, like a diehard sports fan, it's not like it's not going to be entertaining for you. I think it actually ended up being my second favorite movie from from that year from 2020. Yes. Yeah. It's, it's just it's really good. I mean, it yeah. was either that or Sonic the Hedgehog, so you didn't have a lot of a uh, competition there. A strange year for the movie industry. Certainly. Yeah. So for me, I'm I'm going with my guy Woody Harrelson. I've got I've got semi pro or white man can't jump. Those are those are two basketball movies that I think are both pretty damn good. I think White Man Can't Jump has better basketball in it as far as the actual. You've seen both, right? Long time ago, honestly, I need to revisit them. Yeah, but like Woody Harrelson actually has some game and then Wesley Snipes is also looks super athletic i don't know if he can actually ball from like the way he plays in the game he has these crazy dunks it makes me wonder if they had any chicanery like if they used like a shorter hoop so that his dunks <laughs> look cooler because he's like elbow in the rim dunking in certain scenes in this movie yeah yeah and then and then semi-pro i just watched this recently this movie's funny i it's just a classic will ferrell sports comedy um it's is good, so I would check out either of those. We got to do a whole episode sometimes, uh, sometime on on what happened to comedies in that vein. Yeah, I, I feel like the the Will Ferrell brand of comedy they they come out once a year and they would be huge. Dude, I gotta tell I gotta tell you this though. So, um, have you seen Days of Thunder with Tom Cruise? No. So, I watched Days of Thunder like two months ago. Just just like it was like a weekday evening, just watching whatever. 
And I had no idea that Talladega Nights was a parody, like making fun of Days of Thunder. And I saw <laughs> Talladega Nights first. And it, it was a very weird experience because I'm like, I feel like I've seen this movie already <laughs> because Talladega Nights is so similar. And it's funny because you see all the shit in Days of Thunder that they're making fun of. It's like watching Spaceballs before Star Wars. Or Walk Hard the Dewey Cox story before you saw... Uh... Walk, uh, walk the line. Yes, yeah. exactly. It basically ruins the original for you. <laughs> yeah. So if you've seen Talladega Nights and not Days of Thunder, you can probably just sleep on Days of Thunder. <laughs> That's amazing. Well, yeah. I, are you are you in agreement though? There aren't as many good basketball movies as there are. Let's say good football movies or even good boxing movies, baseball. Yeah, I'm, I'm thinking like the replacements in Rudy are probably better than. The majority of basketball movies. Remember the Titans? Yeah, remember the Titans. Blindside. There's they've, a, they've had some good ones. There's there's a yeah. lot. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, nostalgia. I love Space Jam as a kid. Space Jam was great. And what about Like Mike? Did you get into Like Mike? I love Like Mike, That dude. movie fucking rules. My favorite scene in that movie <laughs> is when uh, Dirk Nowitzki goes up to him and he's like, will you sign this autograph uh, for my niece? And the kid's like, yeah, what's her name? And he's like, Dirk. <laughs> Dude, I thought it was sick how many actual NBA players that they got for that. But, dude, did you see Hustle that just came out recently? I actually haven't. I've been meaning to for a long time. I I forgot about that. That's pretty damn good. It's got pretty good basketball in it, too. Sandler can ball. Yeah. Well, I mean, he doesn't really ball in the movie, but Anthony Edwards is the villain. I thought he was great. Isn't uh, Juancho Hernan Gomez? Yeah, he's the lead. (laughs) Pretty good movie. Okay. I, I I'd recommend it. It's once, on Netflix. Once spooky season ends, we still got like ten days left in October, so I'm I'm pure horror movies for the next week and a half. But yeah, man, once that ends, I'm trying to get Lake Mungo in. Oh yeah, good shit. <laughs> I watched Rosemary's Baby last night. You, you gonna drink some of that milk? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's uh, is you know not what you want from your neighbors. That's for sure. What do you think of the dream sequence? You know, uh, I, I understood what Ben was saying about this is the end. Uh, he's like, all of a sudden, this is the end, spoiled this movie for me. And I was like, oh, fuck. That's totally what this is. But, uh, yeah, I think that wraps it up for us. Uh, thanks for joining us on this NBA journey. We're going to go uh, get ready for a game now. So yeah. we'll, uh, we'll see you soon. We got some fun ideas coming up. And just on the radar, we're going to be doing another big holiday movie recommendation guide for you all so if you liked our horror halloween guide we're doing another one for you you're welcome but uh all right we're out peace